Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual and spirited community with amazing music dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad that you're here. We come from a heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is by turning to the people around us and welcoming them here. Please say with me the words by which we light the candles and the chalice. As we await the return of the light, we kindle the flame of compassion, the third of the five values of our congregation. May the light of compassion brighten our own spark, guiding us to treat ourselves and others with deep love. Our call to worship has been attributed to Albert Einstein by some, an attribution, though, that is questioned by others. Einstein was a Jewish theoretical physicist, German-born but Swiss-educated. He is best known for the theory of relativity, in which he associated the force of gravity with the changing geometry of space-time, thereby radically and profoundly changing our understanding of the universe. There are, only way, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. This congregation writes its own mission statement, which guides us as we make our decisions and move together into the future. We write it on the wall and we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Our meditation reading is the poem, Miracles, by Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman was a white, working-class, queer, scandalous, self-educated poet of the late 19th century. In his conversation, he expressed the common racist thoughts of his day, and this cannot be ignored. In his poetry, though, he speaks of radical inclusions as an American value. Why? Who makes much of miracles? As to me, I know of nothing else but miracles. Whether I walk the streets of Manhattan or dart my eyesight over the roofs of houses toward the sky or wade with naked feet along the beach just in the edge of the water. Or stand under trees in the woods or talk by day with anyone I love, or sleep in the bed at night with anyone I love, or sit at the table at dinner with the rest, or look at strangers opposite me riding in the car. Or watch the honeybees busy around the hive of a summer forenoon, or watch animals feeding in the fields, or birds, or the wonderfulness of insects in the air. Or the wonderfulness of the sundown, or of stars shining so quiet and bright, or the exquisite, delicate, thin curve of the new moon in spring. These, with the rest, one and all, are to me miracles, the whole referring, yet each distinct and in its place. To me, every hour of the light and dark is a miracle. Every cubic inch of space is a miracle. Every square yard of the surface of the earth is spread with the same. Every foot of the interior swarms with the same.
Will you join together with me in an attitude of meditation and prayer where we can speak and listen to God as we understand God, or listen to our inner wisdom, or just watch our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies? All the wisdom of the world says it is in this quiet place that we can find clarity, that we can sink our roots into the heart of compassion, that we can feel ourselves held in the arms of love. Let us enter into the wise silence, understanding that in this congregation, small noises from children and the noises of life count as part of the silence.
the choir is singing the Magnificat of Mary this morning, which is um, in Latin, the words that Mary, the mother of Jesus, spoke uh, after she had said, yes, okay, I can be, I will be his mother. And the church in the faith story has really emphasized this as a miracle of Jesus' birth that uh, they call it the virgin birth, you know, and you, in many churches, you really have to believe it. It's very, very important um, that you believe it. But to me, a bigger miracle and more amazing is that in this patriarchal culture of long ago, where women were pretty much property, God sends an angel to talk to this young woman and uh, says, here's what's going to happen. And then they wait. The angel waits and God, by extension, waits for this woman to say yes, for her consent. I think that's a miracle. And um, it's understandable why they wanted to emphasize the virgin birth as one of the miracles, because most religions of that time, and even now, have a miracle story of the birth of their god or their founder or their prophet. There's always something unusual about the birth, and so it's You know, as the people were trying to spread Christianity around the Roman Empire, it's normal that they would have jumped up and down on this um, virgin birth part of the story. But they didn't quite cement it quickly enough, because when the Gospel of Matthew was written, it starts with the genealogy of Rabbi Jesus. And it's traced all the way back to King David. Um, It's traced through Joseph, his father. Now, some people can't live with that kind of jarring side-by-side split screen. And so I'd encourage you, uh, when you are with your family at Christmas, just don't bother Uncle Hollister with the uh, genealogy in Matthew unless you just want to start a fight. Now, the transcendentalists, who were our 19th century forebears uh, in Unitarianism, they were scornful of the thought of people who needed miracles in order to believe that there was a power greater than themselves. They felt like it cheapened God, it cheapened religion in order to say, okay, we're going to look around at all of this. We're going to look around at, uh, this is what Emerson said, Um, I won't quote him. I'm going to paraphrase him because Emerson said, I hate quotations. uh, So I'm going to get around that by just paraphrasing. He said, you know, you can look at the rain that falls, at the ocean waves that crash. You can see the Fibonacci series of numbers. You can see, he didn't mention that. I just threw that in. You You can see your own body. And you can say to your hand, move like this. And it moves the way you tell it to move. And so, who would need more miracles than that? You want something shiny? You want something showy? Look at a sunset. So, um, I can see their point. But I think if we get hyper-rational, which I have done. I think I've gone through most of the stages of Unitarian Universalism, and I'll just go through them again, probably over and over, because that's how it happens. But 
I was at a point one time that was pretty linear and dry, and I was like, well, everything is just uh, physics and chemistry. It's physics and chemistry. It's uh, some of it's explainable and some of it isn't, but it's all you know just what it is. It's you know. But I had lost my awe of the physics and chemistry. <laughs> I'd lost my awe of the way things are. And, and I didn't stay in that dry place for long. It's just not my nature. So um, I fight with my nature that wants to watch documentaries about Tibet and believe that there are monks that can levitate and, um, and make themselves steamy warm by sitting, while sitting in the snow. I, just, I would love to live in that world, but I, I can't... Mm. I just can't get there, but I would, I would like to. And I think, um, I think that people really, most people would love to live in a world where you can pray for someone's healing and they heal. They'd love to live in a world where you could uh, talk to a hurricane and make it stop, talk to a tornado and make it miss your house. I, I think most people would love to live in that world, and you can see um, if you if you travel <coughs> through the South or outside of Austin, um, churches that advertise miracles, churches where they call down the Spirit, not just for guidance and healing, but they call down the Spirit for actual, like, you're going to get delivered of a demon, or you're going to get delivered of alcoholism, or you're going to get... Um, they tried... I went to a Pentecostal thing. I was uh, dragged there, actually. Um, to try to get rid of my spirit of rebellion. <laughs> Did it work? <laughs> yeah, but they... And even some of them advertise, you know, we can raise the dead. And my friends, I just want to say, I think most of those things are fake. Fake. But I think sometimes if you get prayed for by a really intense faith healer somewhere in... America or France or Africa or all the places where they have faith healers, um, sometimes you get better. And uh, we call that, I think, the placebo effect when you have a treatment and it works, even though it kind of shouldn't. Um, there's no reason for it to work. And I don't think that means it's not true or there's no good in it. I call the placebo effect, um, hey, you got better, even though what we gave you was a sugar pill. Good for you. Your mind did that. Your spirit, your body did that together. And um, I know that there's a, a growing um, effort in the medical community to study the placebo effect because, you know, sometimes it has an effect, and we'd love to know why. So I think any scientist or anyone who practices medicine is going to say that there are factors that we don't understand. Some people get sick who shouldn't really be sick, and some people get better who shouldn't really be getting better. There are mysteries. And most of us have some experience with mystery in that if you get us in a trusting and talkative mood, um, most of us have an experience we can tell about that was unexplained and unexplainable, mysterious. I live, as you know, in the tension between what I can believe, i.e. Uh, explain and live as if it were true, and what I have experienced. In the tension between what I believe and what I have experienced. 
there's a tension. I don't believe in Reiki, but I have had it done to me and it's worked. And I have done it to other people and it's worked some of the time. I was raised Presbyterian and now I'm Unitarian Universalist and I don't really have much truck with saints. But whenever I lose something, I pray, St. Anthony, St. Anthony, please come around. My watch is lost and it must be found. And a lot of times it works. I love St. Anthony. I have no idea whether he's really working with me or whether I just prayed it and then found the thing. You know there's not a rational scientific um, explanation for it, but also so many people have experiences that are inexplicable and mysterious, and I think to ignore them would be unscientific. So I can't. I'm in a talking and trusting talkative mood this morning, so I'm going to tell you some of the things I've seen. Uh, I was with a group of 130 people. We were traveling around the world learning about each other's religions for two months. We started in New York State, upstate, and we were all standing around a bonfire. We had been um, taught that evening by a woman who was Cherokee, talking to us about the indigenous Cherokee uh, belief system. And so we were uh, just kind of chatting. And there was a witch doctor from Suriname in our group. Because uh, we were from many, many different countries, many, many different cultures. So Andre lifted his voice and said, and I don't do a very good Suriname accent. He said, if you like, I will walk into fire. And we were all like, yeah, okay. Um, because, you know, we've all seen the people in the, in, on in the California coast or whatever, and they're walking across the coals like... And so we thought that's what he was going to do. He said, I have to go for 15 minutes and meditate. Um, so 15 minutes later, he came back and he said, I'm going to choose a log from the fire. And I'm just, since there are so many of us, I'm going to go around the circle and just hold the log up to my foot and so you can see that I'm not burned. And so I thought, oh, yeah, he's going to just, he's going to walk around and like, and then walk some more and then, and then walk. And I'm like, eh. So then he walked into the fire and stood there in the fire, choosing a log. He picked up one not good enough. He picked up another one. Okay, this one I'll do. Took him about three minutes of standing in the fire. And then he brought the log around and showed everybody. But did we need to be shown by then? No, we did not. <laughs> Sometimes these things are just tricks and it's really hard to tell. Um, I'm going to tell you a story that happened at my father's uh, wedding reception, that this is a trick. And he, had, he has a friend who's a mentalist who teaches mentalism at the new school in New York City. And Gabe came to the wedding, and he was at the reception. And it was time for some entertainment. So he gets up in the front, and he goes, okay, everybody get a key out of your pocket. So y'all get a key out. And he jokes, don't have one that you're going to need to use to get back in your suitcase. You know, we're all like, yeah, yeah. And so he um, says we should make a shelf 
out of our fingers and put the key on the shelf. And then we should concentrate. He didn't say close your eyes, so I didn't. Concentrate, 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 concentrate. Make your key bend. Now look at your key. Nothing. But a gasp came from my uncle, who was a Presbyterian urologist in Pittsburgh, and his daughter, who was a Presbyterian missionary to China, teaching English, missionarying on the side, uh, I guess. They gasped because their keys were like this. And then he said, I need to remind you that this is an illusion. I don't know how he did it, but he did it, and it was a trick. Then, I was walking on this same trip with 130 of us from all different uh, countries, walking down the street in Mumbai, in India, and I was walking with my friend John, who is a friar of the Franciscan order, so he's in his brown habit and with a white cord, and he's just walking along in his sandals, beard. And uh, this elderly man, really skinny elderly man, comes and starts walking backward in front of us. And he says to John, your mother's named Ruth and your father's named Israel, and you were born in the month of June and your father, your mother died when you were 38. And John looks at me and goes, that's right. And we were both, you know, what's the word? Nonplussed. And we came back to the hotel where my Aunt Ruth, you know, my Aunt Ruth was a psychiatrist, medical doctor, and, a, and an Episcopal priest. So she's quite a personage. And um, we said, uh, what was that? And she said, oh, he just read your aura. The Akashic record is in your aura, and he just read your Akashic record. So here's what I think as a neo-transcendentalist, which is how I identify. I'm a neo-transcendentalist. Just because there's no current correct scientific explanation for something doesn't mean it's supernatural, meaning above nature. I think nature is way more complicated than we can all ask or think. I think we have not discovered everything there is to discover. I think that it's the height of arrogance to see the trajectory of knowledge and understanding as if we were at the pinnacle I think that's just silly. We are not at the pinnacle. We're maybe at the, uh, the mid- mythical. I know there's a name for that. Somewhere on there. Not, no. There's lots. We don't understand. It doesn't mean it's supernatural. And then I think about Mary and the Magnificat and what she says. And, of course, I think about politics because this is our world right now. She says, um, my soul magnifies the Lord. He has showed might with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the conceit of their heart. He has put down the mighty from their seat and has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. And before I go, yeah, scatter them from their thrones, My little inner wisdom says, uh, hello, you have them inside you too. And wouldn't it really be a miracle 
if the proud and the conceited and the heavy-footed within your heart were to be dethroned. Wouldn't that be a miracle? And I go, ugh. So much more fun when it was about somebody else. So let's look around for miracles and pray that that one happens to us. Let us say the words by which we extinguish our chalice together. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Please sing with me if you care to the benediction. I know this rose will open. I know my fear will burn away. I know my soul will unfurl its wings. I know this rose will open. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.